Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting, and also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter, where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 202, Fall Turkey Hunting with Bob Fulcher. And I am your host and the guy who went to the new hunting club this weekend and got some cutting and disking of the fields done, which needs to be done because bow season for deer in Alabama starts October the 15th and gun season for deer starts November the 17th. I think that's the right date for gun season for deer, but it's pretty close. And we have almost broken the six-month mark for the opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama because we are 184 days, 11 hours, 55 minutes, and 40 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season. So I know you guys have heard the expression, drive it until the wheels fall off. Well, (laughs) This weekend, I drove the tractor until the tire fell off. (laughs) So, on my tractor, I had a front tire that was low. It was leaking air from the valve stem. And I got about 95% done with one of the fields with disking it up. And, of course, the ground is soft. The tire's low. I'm turning. The field is very small that I'm disking in. So, the wheel is turned on this tractor pretty much the whole time that I'm disking it. And the tractor dug in, and the tire came off the rim. So there we are in the middle of pretty much nowhere, me and three other guys, with a tractor with three good wheels and tires, two four-wheelers and a truck. So one of the guys took off back to the camp and got a tie-down strap and got some starter fluid. And our plan was to put the tie-down strap around the tire, ratchet it down as tight as we could get it, and spray some ether in the tire, light a match, and see if it wouldn't seat the tire back on the rim, which for most of you guys, you know that that is a little hack to get a tire seated back on a rim, but none of the four of us have ever tried that before, so I was a little bit nervous about trying that out. Then one of the guys had the idea, well, let's just put the ratchet strap on there, pour some water around the rim, get that ratchet tighten down as hard as we can, as tight as we can, and pump some air into it and see if it won't just seat itself so we don't have to try the explosion route. And fortunately for us, it worked. And about 15 minutes later, we were back on the tractor making a go at it again. So we got several fields disked up, several fields planted. That's a good thing because Sunday night, we got rain. So with seed, fertilizer, and water, oh yeah, and broken ground. We should have some food plots here within the next 10 days or so. So today I've got a little bit of quick turkey soup for you before we jump into the meat of the episode. First up, the West Virginia Department of Natural Resources reminds hunters to inspect their equipment, sight in their guns, and scout before hunting season starts. I mean, that's a great reminder. I think As silly as it sounds to have to be reminded about that, I think it's really great that the West Virginia Department of Natural Resources sent out a press release to remind hunters to do that before they go in the woods. They also want to remind hunters of some changes for this fall. Number one, Sunday hunting is legal on public lands throughout 
West Virginia. That's awesome. I know a couple of times that I've been to North Carolina and hunted public land over there, that is a huge inconvenience to not be able to hunt public land on Sundays. Also, they want to remind hunters that all wild turkey season dates and open counties have changed. So be sure to look that up to make sure that you guys stay legal. Our second ingredient today is Idaho wants to remind hunters that any unused spring general tag or extra tags may be used during the fall season. Now that's pretty cool. They're letting hunters who did not get to use their spring general or extra tag use it in the fall. And turkey season has opened already for most of the Panhandle and the Clearwater area. It actually opened on August the 30th, and the season will open in other parts of the state on September the 15th, so it won't be long. Our third ingredient in turkey soup today is that Missouri's fall season opens on October 1st, and runs until the end of October. The state allows two birds of either sex to be harvested, and hunters can hunt all day in the fall compared to a half day in the spring season. So I think Missouri allows one bird in spring, and they allow two birds in the fall, and you can hunt all day long in the fall. That's a pretty good opportunity. I think they're encouraging hunters to get out there and do some fall turkey hunting this year. And they also say that they had a good hatch across most of the state this year and that they're expecting a lot of young of the year birds. Speaking of all this fall turkey hunting that I've been talking about in the turkey soup, late last month I got a tweet from Dave Lennox. Now I don't think it's the same Dave Lennox that is keeping you warm in the winter and cool in the summer, but it could be. So I got this tweet from Dave Lennox. And he asked me for a fall turkey hunting episode. And since it has been a couple of years since I did one of those, I thought that Dave's idea was a very good one. I reached out to Bob Fulcher, who has been fall turkey hunting for many years, and who you guys may recognize from a previous episode on Dissecting a Box Call, which is episode number 125, if you want to go back and listen to that one. Now, you may remember that Bob is the owner of Shade Tree Callers in Ohio. Since Bob loves to talk turkey, he agreed to come on the show and share his fall turkey hunting experience and knowledge with us. Listen in closely, as I think there's some good stuff in this interview. Here's Bob Fulcher with Shade Tree Callers to talk about fall turkey hunting, and I'll see you guys on the other side. Hey, everybody. I am glad to tell you that I have on the line with me today... Bob Fulcher with Shade Tree Callers, and Bob has been on the show before. It's been about a year and a half since I've had Bob on the show, but we did a call on, or we did a show, I should say, on dissecting a box call, and we talked about really all kinds of things related to box calls, and it was awesome, and I got my scratch box call from Bob, and it is incredible sounding and i'm excited about that so bob how are you today and where are you hey andy i'm doing real well i'm here in the beautiful state of ohio good deal getting ready for some deer turkey and little squirrel hunting coming up yeah the time of year is close isn't it yes sir when does your fall turkey season start we start here october 13th is opening morning okay that's about two weeks into our deer season and I've I've got a couple outdoor riders coming in for a fall turkey hunt slash squirrel hunt so I'm looking forward to that we're actually going to be chasing squirrels with federal premium TSS 410 ammunition so I can't tell you how excited I am to shoot six dollar shell ammunition at a squirrel (laughs) it's going to be a lot of fun (laughs) a squirrel's not going to stand a chance against that TSS no no it'll be a lot of fun out there with the 410 I haven't chased any small game with one of those since I was a kid then as I have told you I've, I've really been into chasing the wild turkeys with the 410 since last year yeah really looking forward to that yeah that's awesome so it has been a year and a half since you were on the show last 
So just as a reminder, tell us again a little bit about yourself, your business, and how you got into turkey hunting. Well, I tell you, I've been turkey hunting since I was about 13 years old. I was kind of introduced to it by an uncle and really took it up on my own pretty much the whole time. My grandfather, Fulcher, used to build muzzle-loading rifles down in West Virginia, and he's actually very well known for the rifles that he built and was credited with the rebirth of black powder hunting in West Virginia. And he built a turkey call for my brother when I was about five years old. And something about that call stuck in my brain. And I was fascinated, even as a young child, that you could take a box call, two pieces of wood and a spring and a screw and little chalk on it. And you could actually go out and call a wild animal to you with that, you know. And even mm-hmm. as a child, I was just fascinated with it. So when I got older, um, I was really into woodworking and stuff all through high school. And, you know, just started taking up the turkey calls when I was about 18, building some scratch boxes. And then there's a point where I, I wanted to get into the big league boys turkey calls and I wanted a Neil cost boat paddle more than anything. Well, I couldn't afford to buy one cause they were a couple thousand dollars and I decided that I would, you know, take my hand at building my own. I've been very blessed and, and I've built thousands of calls to get to the point where I'm at, but through a lot of trial and error and building many calls, I've got to a point where I was actually able to win the grand national championship last year. That's a competition held by the National Wild Turkey Federation. It's the, the biggest, most important call-making contest yeah. that's offered to callmakers. Yeah. So I was really, really fortunate to win those honors. But when it comes right down to it, I'm just an absolute turkey hunting junkie and have been since I was a little kid. Something about that bird and, and the gobble that it gives out that just, I like to say, stole a little piece of my soul a long time ago. <laughs> I think everyone listening to this show can completely relate to that statement. Yep. There's something that it just, it gets into you. It gets into your soul. It gets into your heart. It kind of takes over every part of you, if you allow it anyways. And, and I certainly had no control in that. It just took over me. Yeah. But I enjoy it. It's good, clean fun. Absolutely. Well, that is when the turkeys are cooperating, it's good, clean fun. When they're not cooperating, it's, it's not quite as clean. It can often That's a little be. frustrating then and it can get hot and sweaty chasing those birds around. But yeah, yeah. it's uh, definitely a passion. Yes, indeed. Not, not all hobbies can obsess you, you know, with the passion that, that hunting does. And especially a, a bird as grand as a wild turkey, there's just nothing like it. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad to be among the 10th Legion. Absolutely. Absolutely. So before we get into this, if anyone wants to take a look at your calls or buy one of your calls, whether it's a scratch box or a box call, how would they go about getting in touch with you? How would they go about looking at some of the calls that you have to offer? Well, I tell you, I'm pretty active on social media these days. So Facebook is absolutely the best way to get hold of me. And I just simply go by my name, Bob Fulcher, F-U-L-C-H-E-R. I do have a website. It's shadetreecallers.webs.com. So it's shadetreecallers, and that's spelled C-A-L-L-E-R-S, dot webs, W-E-B-S, dot com. Or you can simply call me, area code 937-270-3299. Very good. And I think the last time we talked, you were... You had a pretty good backlog of of calls to make, custom calls, because you don't do anything that's production. You are hand-making these calls, each one of them, one by one. So you had, a, I think, a couple-year waiting list. Are you still running about the same on your box calls? Yes, sir. I keep a pretty long wait list on them. A couple reasons. I don't build a lot of them, and I don't build them very fast, Yeah, but uh, I try to try to make everyone as absolutely best sounding as I can. Yeah. And they are completely custom. So, you know, if somebody says, Hey, I want this type of wood on the base and this type of wood for the, the top of the box, then you can hook them up with that most of the time, can't you? And even make Correct. recommendations from there as well. Correct. Yeah. I, I, I don't usually have calls like what you would call in stock that I can just grab off the shelf and send you. So each call is built to your specifications, it's you know when when you call and order a uh, call of any type, whether it's a trough call, a scratch box, or one of my box calls, wing bone yelpers, they're all built for you. So 
you know, you order a box call. I'm going to ask you what kind of woods you want to use. I'm going to make recommendations because I limit what woods I use to, to woods that I know will be consistent and the best sounding that I can, that I can use. I did my experimenting years ago and now I've, I've learned to stick with just good solid combinations that, that always sound good proper, but yeah. the call will be built just for you. It's not, not going to be picked off a shelf that I, you know, built randomly and I'm going to put it in a box and mail it to you. It's, it's going to be individually built just for the person that orders it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I want to talk some fall turkey hunting with you because I've had a couple of listeners request it as we're kind of winding down the dog days of summer here. And I know that not unlike spring turkey hunting, there's a couple of methods for hunting fall turkeys. So I want to, I want you to talk a little bit about those. But first, can you tell us what really your preferred method for hunting fall turkeys is? Do you like to bust flocks? Do you do any dogging? What, what are you, are you, are you just trying to set up on them in the mornings when they're on the roost and call them in from there? What's your preferred method of hunting them? When I answer that question, usually what I'm going to tell you is I hunt them the same way I do in the spring. I like to hunt turkeys, you know, straight from the roost out there before daylight they're usually very vocal you know in the fall you'll hear sometimes the whole flock will just be out there talking you know i've I've listened to them for hours on the roost talking back and forth 30 40 birds and you know it's exciting to hear that kind of activity so i like to be there from the start i'm going to stay and and i'm going to start calling to them when they hit the ground you know just like i would in the springtime Um, i used to think due to tradition that you had to bust the flock in order to have a successful hunt. And since I I hunt solely without dogs myself, I kind of came to the conclusion that finding your quarry and then scaring it off with the hopes of calling it back to you was kind of silly when all you really had to do was go out there like you do in the spring, approach it, hunt the birds, listen to them, use woodsmanship to get yourself in, in the right position and call those birds to you without ever having to scare the daylights out of them. Yeah. And I think it's, (laughs) my hunts have been a lot more successful that way than they were when I tried to locate and and scatter flocks. And I've even, I've scattered flocks at night. I've scattered them in the mornings. It just always seems kind of counterproductive to me. If you're using a dog, that's the preferred method. And that's a lot of fun. And and we do do that at times. You use a dog, primarily you're looking Uh, the dog is going to assist you in finding those turkeys through scent and then when you do locate them the dog can rush in kind of get a really good scatter because it's a lot faster than most of us old guys can run get in there and get a good scatter on those birds get them into different directions and that's when you can really sit back tuck your dog back into a little burlap sack or a camo bag and then we usually wait about 30 minutes start calling the birds back to you and, and a lot of times they'll want to reassemble back where they were scattered from they're a social animal they like to be together and so they'll, they'll usually if things go right you will get them to regroup in that same area you've scattered them from and then hopefully take you know one or two out of that flock but yeah. um, primarily i really like to for myself i like to approach it just like spring hunting and just go out and chase the birds and and on that note, I've got two different approaches for fall hunting because you can either hunt mature gobblers or you can focus on hunting mature hens. I prefer myself to hunt hens in the fall because I'm looking to harvest hens to help balance and manage my flocks. And I'm looking to put a couple sets of wing bones in my freezer every year that I can use to make quality wing bone turkey calls. Yeah. And the approach is totally different with with the different sexes in the fall because you know opposite of what you're doing in the spring where you're trying to uh, attract a gobbler with the sounds of a hen because he wants to breathe when the fall he's not very concerned about being with the hens he'd rather be with other gobblers they separate themselves off generally into separate flocks older jakes and gobblers will you know group together whereas your hens and younger birds of the year will tend to flock together so in the fall i'm going to go out if I'm going to chase that gobbler, I'm going to go out and approach him and actually call him with gobbler sounds instead of using hen yelps like I do in the spring. Right. I'll go out and use primarily kikis, gobbler clucks, and gobbler yelps. You know, I want those really deep, coarse gobbler yelps and just one or two note calls 
that that says, "Hey, I'm a I'm a lone gobbler over here, and I'm looking for my friends." Mm-hmm. Whereas when I'm I'm hunting the hens in the fall, I'm actually going to use hen sounds for them. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out there. I'm gonna do a lot of key keying and a lot of one and two note clucks. I, I always start my session out each time when I call. I'll start out with uh, just two or three key keys and a few yelps on top of that and you know give it a few minutes and see what i get and a lot of times if you're within hearing range of a turkey that that just a little bit of key can will garner a response from a bird and then i'm going to break into some you know soft yelping clucks purrs basically just like if i was trying to call a gobbler during the springtime i'm going to use those calls now and i'm going to call a hen and one reason I really like to hunt hens in the fall, too, is because generally when you call one in, you're going to call in the whole flock. And you might find yourself surrounded by turkeys on all sides. You might be facing, you know, a flock of 15 or 20 birds right in front of you that you have to pick and choose, you know, and pick a good shot and, and choose which one of those birds you want to take home. So very exciting. Different approaches to it, though. Yeah. So you don't target gobblers only in the fall. And actually, you said you'd prefer to take a hen. Are all turkeys fair game for you, or do you try to stay away from the young of the year birds and harvest mature? I'll be honest with you. I try to stay away from the young birds because they're they're generally just small. You know, you don't get much more than a meal out of a Jenny bird. And personally, I don't shoot jakes just because I don't get enough excitement out of it to use a tag on a jake for myself not that i have any problem with anybody else that chooses to shoot a jake i just don't do it myself yeah and if if i can know for sure i'm shooting a jenny i'll i'll try not to if i can help it just because i want a little bit more meat on the bone hey nothing wrong with that that's one of the main reasons we go out there isn't it a wild turkey is a wild turkey in my book so they're all they're all as equal a trophy no matter what size they are. Yeah. So you don't use dogs or don't have a turkey dog. Have you ever hunted with turkey dogs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it can be pretty exciting. I tend to have to walk a little bit more when we're out with dogs. And oh, I bet. In my condition, I don't walk as well as I used to, so i got to slow down a little bit in the woods, and the dogs can really wear me out. But it is absolutely exciting to be out there. We've got a hunt planned in October with my friend Brett Berry from up in northern Ohio. Brett's well known for running turkey dogs, and and he actually would prefer to hunt fall turkey with his dogs than he would to hunt spring turkey. He's that really just ate up with the fall birds. Yeah. So we're really looking forward to getting out in the woods with Brett here. Just a few more weeks can be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. I have found that most of the men and women who do fall hunt with turkey dogs feel the same way that Brett does. They would rather hunt in the fall with their dogs than they would in the spring. So there's a lot of purist tradition behind the turkey dogging. So it's a uh, almost a different breed of turkey hunter in a way. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how much I would mesh with the with the tradition, but it heck, just hunting anything behind dogs is incredible. I mean, they're they're amazing at their desire to do the job, and they know what the job is when they get out there. That's what is pretty well mind-blowing to me. And they just have such a strong desire to do well, to do that job well, and they hunt so hard, and they have so much fun doing it. that and they, they have a desire to please you. Yeah. And when, when you can watch a dog work that hard to do something that you enjoy so much that's that's just amazing yeah yeah it's it's a heck of a lot of fun so i would imagine i've never done turkey dogging but i would imagine that's a heck of a lot of fun it is on my to-do list and it will get done sooner rather than later but that'll be fun i'm i'm looking forward to that opportunity so the well i uh you know i grew up i didn't have a, a dog that was you know dedicated to turkey hunting but i really wanted to fall hunt so when it when the opportunity came up, I started fall hunting in West Virginia years and years ago. It's been legal down there for a long time. It hasn't always been legal here in Ohio, but it has been for more than 20 years now. But I didn't have a dog. I couldn't didn't have the resources to keep a dog just to take turkey hunting a few times a year. So I just, you know, went out there in the woods equipped like I would for any other turkey hunt. And I found out that it, it was a lot of fun. 
very, very successful way to hunt turkeys. It works in the spring. Why not do it in the fall? You know, yeah. so I, I enjoy that a lot. But like I say, anytime you can watch a, a good dog work over pheasants or turkeys, you know, that's that's pretty neat stuff. Yeah, no doubt. So the areas that turkeys use in the fall and winter, not always, but most of the time are different than the areas that they use during the spring season. And I know that. Yeah, they. Go ahead. I was gonna say they they sometimes can do that, and sometimes it it just seems like it because they flock up a little different in the in the different time of the year, you know. So they they generally flock separately from each other. So that that puts them in different areas, and in the the springtime they seem you know they're more. It's all about both sexes being together, and they just seem to inhabit a little different area at that time. Yeah, that's a very good point, and it's something that I really hadn't thought a whole lot about you know i was thinking primarily about food sources and you know that they're going to try to work the areas with some acorns and some seeds and that kind of stuff falling but that makes perfectly good sense so what areas do you kind of key in on to find fall flocks are you You here in ohio i have the most success actually hunting them in the forest in the woods you know they they like to get out in the fields and feed too but they no matter what time of year it is, they like security. They like to cover. And so I'll, I'll generally target my birds inside the woods. Yeah. Unless we've got a really good field. Sometimes you can, you know, through observation daily, you can, you can find fields with areas that the turkeys are really favoring during those weeks. But I'll primarily go right into the woods and try to chase those birds because they'll spend a lot of the day, you know, under the cover of the trees. Right. And I guess really for you guys, I mean, you're not, when your fall turkey season starts, you're not too terribly far away from your first frost. So that probably does away with a lot of the bugging in the fields and, and that kind of thing that the turkeys would do. So that, so they're, they'd be visiting fields primarily for grain that's been, you know, waste grain or that kind of thing that wasn't harvested, wouldn't they? Right, right. Yep, they're not not bugging so much because, like you say, once the once the temperature drops down, the, the insect numbers are decreased immensely. But that's when your ag agriculture starts coming in. You know, you've got your combines out there; they're spilling a lot of grain. That definitely, you know, those birds, uh, turkeys are just like the little birds that fly around. The deer, the raccoons, and possums—they all key in on that spilled grain pretty quick. Yeah, and of course. Being here in Ohio, we have a lot of oak trees, so we've got acorns, red oaks, and white oaks that really start hitting the ground in October. So those the deer and the turkeys here just spend a lot of time in the in the woods. We've got beautiful hardwood ridges with you know open, semi-open areas that that the turkeys can spend their whole day in inside the woods like that, and and uh, really not have to go out and expose themselves a lot. Yeah. It seems like for some reason here in Ohio, we have our birds don't like you don't drive down the road here and see big flocks of birds in a lot of places. I get that comment from every hunter that comes in here that books a hunt with me from out of state. They expect to, to come in and see flocks of birds everywhere they drive, you know, all these prime looking areas. And you just don't see a lot of that. And and I don't think that, you know, people always ask, me, is it because of poaching, road poaching? No, I don't think so. I just think the birds prefer to be spend a lot of time in the cover under the canopy of the trees. Right. Yeah. Could have something to do with predators, you know, predators from that's, the air or something like that. But yeah. That's, that's a very good point. And even with like coyotes, which are their biggest threat as an adult bird, mm-hmm. they would prefer to be in cover in the woods where they're in thick, you know, even in thick bushes, ground cover. They'd prefer that rather than to be in the open where they can be seen. You know, by coyote, they, I mean, you would think, well, they want to be able to see from a distance so they can see what's coming at them. But on the other hand, they also don't want that predator to have the advantage of seeing them from a distance. So Mm -hmm. I think they really prefer to be in that tight cover, like, just like a big buck. That's where I have, I have best, best luck chasing, especially the big gobblers in the same kind of cover as, as I'm looking for a big buck in. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, maybe the, sun has something to do with that and the heat because i cannot imagine how hot it must be wearing a inch and a half thick suit of black feathers and standing out in the bright sunshine oh yeah we've all 
shot that gobbler in the springtime and put your hand down on him and feel that sun, you know, as he's baking out there. So that really does draw the heat. And I'm sure that as a turkey, it's it's not real comfortable to be out there because they, they're an animal that doesn't sweat, so they don't cool off the way we can. So, yeah, I think a hot sun is definitely a factor that keeps them in the trees too. Yeah. So you guys have a lot of oak trees, and typically are you kind of focusing on those oak flats and – those types of areas looking for sign and yeah that's what i'm going to look for because i can go through a a a nice oak flat or you know a a bench off the side of a ridge top right now and and look for scratchings in the leaves and it might look like you know army's been through there with rakes scattering leaves around and those those turkeys just spend you know hours and hours and sometimes in the same spot throughout the day just searching for old acorns and the new ones that are coming down and of course, any insects that they're going to flip over to. But yeah. yeah, that's I'm looking for those semi-open hardwood areas. I don't want them so thick that I can't see a bird till you know he's 20 yards in front of me, in case they're coming in silent. But I also don't want a spot where they can see me from 200 yards away, or I should say, where they would not see another turkey for 200 yards and and right. lose interest and not want to come because. They hear a turkey, but they don't see one. That oftentimes will turn them around and send them the other way. Yeah. So when you find that sign, since you're really wanting to focus on hens, harvesting hens in the fall, when you find that sign, are you then trying to determine, hey, is this a flock of gobblers or is this a flock of hens with young ones? You know, what is what is this group of turkeys here? Or do you just kind of feel like, hey, it could be a, a flock of gobblers today, but there's hens in the area and there will be hens here tomorrow kind of thing? Yeah, I get I, I get excited when I come across turkey sign. And to me, it's just like when you're trailing any kind of game, you're trying to determine what it is that you found. And like, I get excited about finding gobbler scat as I do finding a a big buck rub on a tree. So for those people that don't know, you can you can identify wild turkeys by the shape of their droppings and by the size of their toes. A mature gobbler, his three toes will always be pretty much the same length. And with a mature hen, her middle toe is always going to be longer than the toes on either side of it. So it's very easy to just at a quick glance, you can tell whether or not you're on the track of a gobbler or a hen. And then hen droppings are generally bulbous and rounded, almost marble-shaped. And a gobbler's droppings are generally tubular and many times will end with a J-hook, kind of like a fish hook shape at the end of it. Mm-hmm. So there again, at a quick glance, you, it's easy to tell by the shape of the droppings whether you're on a, a tom or a hen turkey and then based on the size of it you can kind of determine the maturity of that bird too so you can really tell a lot about what you're chasing based on the the size shape of the droppings and by the size of the the toe prints that it leaves behind yeah you can really do a lot of detective work when you're when you're following turkey sign and of course then you know sometimes you'll run across areas where they they dust their feathers little dusting bowls we call them and and very identifiable spots that when you come across, you know right away that that's not scratchings where they were searching for food. You know, you've located the area where they're sitting there and fluffing their feathers and trying to raise dust up in there to help control bugs and and help cool themselves down a little bit. So there again, it's you know, there's a lot of detective work involved with tracking turkeys. I think that's maybe that's another thing that makes it kind of fun. Yeah, definitely. So I had an older turkey hunter tell me years ago when I was first getting into the sport of turkey hunting that if I see scratching in the leaves right up against the trunk of a tree, that most of the time that's gobbler scratching. Have you, has that been your experience? Have you noticed that? I, you know, I'll be honest with you, I, I've never heard that and I can't say that I've experienced that. But I have had a couple occasions where I've snuck up on trees and had gobblers standing within a foot of that tree on the other side of it, scratching in the leaves. So might be some validity to it, but nothing that I've heard before, personally. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I, I've my experience has been the same as yours. I have never, you know, in all the time that I've watched turkeys together in a flock in the spring or even watched them in the winter from a deer stand, I've never noticed gobblers scratching right up against the base of the trunk of a tree and hens not doing it. So yeah, I'm not, I'm kind not, of sure, what the, not sure what the logic would be on that, but interesting. I'll make some observations on that from now on. All right. You do that. Take note of that this season and then write us a five-page report. Okay. Email that to me. <laughs> I, I'm going to grade you on grammar and uh, punctuation. And no, seriously. Yeah, I just, you know, and, and even over the past, gosh, probably 10 years, the lease that I deer hunted had been clear cut so much that we the turkeys had altered their fall patterns. And so, you know, we wouldn't even really see, but, you know, a couple of pictures on a trail camera of a hen or two during the deer season. So, you know, I haven't been able to really sit and watch turkeys like I used to do. And so some of these things that, you know, like testing that theory, I I haven't been able to, to really sit back and watch, you know, in the fall when I haven't had the interest of pulling the trigger on a turkey. So, you know, in the springtime, my brain is in make yourself as small as possible mode and squeeze the trigger mode. So I don't really focus a whole lot on what that flock of turkeys or where they're scratching or that kind of thing. So, yeah, Yeah, it'd be interesting to hear. So, you know, hunting here is is a little different because the turkeys, like you mentioned, turkeys flocking in different areas and actually... It's, it's, I have actually just the opposite kind of experience here. Most of most of my flocks, I can find them in the same place 12 months out of the year. They roost in the same trees. Matter of fact, I've got a roost area, and you'll think I'm pulling your leg unless you've ever seen anything like this. But I've got a roost area in some pine trees that there is a 60-foot-long pile of droppings, four foot to five foot wide and i'm not kidding you andy it's three foot deep holy cow it it looks like a little levee built in the woods of turkey droppings because they literally have roosted in those trees for so many years that it it looks like you've poured a pickup truck load of droppings in there wow just amazing but i can i can go into that area 12 months out of the year and take you in and, and put you in turkey country and you can hear them every morning deer season it it i was telling you before i like to to i'm such a deer hunting addict that a lot of times since the seasons overlap in the fall i'll spend my early mornings in a tree stand chasing deer and then i'm listening to my turkey flock all morning and after about two hours of listening to them talk i can't stand it anymore and i have to switch gears and i'm now in turkey hunting mode so but uh, they're they're literally here i can i can go to my flocks in the same place uh, 12 months out of the year and get into those birds so i guess that i have a little advantage that in that way over flocks like you're hunting that are making big moves throughout the year yeah yeah that that's is definitely an advantage there's no question about it so i'm going to pause the recording and you just give me the gps coordinates of that spot okay <laughs> <laughs> well, i tell you I've, I've i've got a lot of really good spots like that that turkeys are there every fall now that that one area with the the levee of droppings is obviously that's a really special area and you know just don't run across stuff like that very often right but that just i use that as an example because they do stay even in the same trees in this area so much that there's you know a three foot deep mound levee whatever you want to call it of droppings so yeah um, that well, I, I have, I got to say, if, if you got to chase a flock that moves around and can even move away from your hunting area through the season, that would be very challenging. I, I guess I'm, I have to count my lucky stars that I don't have to have that challenge here in Ohio. Yeah, exactly. Now, do you hunt that flock when they're on that roost or in that roosting area? Or, you know, are oh, you yeah. afraid that it's going to mess them up if you shoot one off the roost there? Or not off the roost, but you know the turkey flies down off the roost, and then you shoot it. No, I don't. I don't worry about it too much. Our our limit in the fall is one bird, mm-hmm. so you you just aren't going to put enough pressure on the flock to make much of a difference. And you know I can only kill one bird for myself, but 
obviously I take out clients every spring and fall to hunt turkey, but mm-hmm. we've got enough flocks that we don't have to take more than one or two birds out of a flock. Even in the spring, we won't take more than a couple gobblers out of a single flock or, or farm before I move on to someplace else just to keep the numbers healthy. Right. So we do that in the fall. We might take one or two hens out of an area and that's it. So I don't think that that little bit of pressure has enough impact to certainly doesn't move them away, doesn't scare them out of the area. And those that, that particular area is a really high cover area, so they just they feel very safe in there all year long. I think that's that has a lot to do with it too. Here in Ohio, we the places that I'm that I'm hunting in, we've got cover, we've got food, and we've got water in those areas all year. So they don't have to migrate to find, you know, a new food source. They're not chasing agriculture crops or, or wild stuff like berries and acorns, you know, they don't have to follow it because it's just everywhere. They're 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 in it all year long. So I have seen those roosting spots in other states. Like the first time I went to Texas there was one tree that must have had, I don't know, four inches of turkey poop underneath it all the way around the circumference of the tree out to about probably, well, as you know, as far out as the branches went. So, you know, 20 feet away from the trunk, something like that. Well, I tell you, that's amazing. And that's the kind of stuff that, as a turkey hunter, just gets you shaking in your boots. Absolutely. Yeah, you know. Makes your camo quiver. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> you know they're going to be there sooner yep. rather than later, too. So it, it definitely is, is something that's pretty cool to watch, pretty cool to see. So since you hunt these fall birds kind of like you do your spring turkeys, do you use decoys at all in the fall, or do you see a reason to? You know, I'm, I'm generally pretty mobile in the fall, so I'm not – I'm not going to carry a lot of them generally because if I got a decoy, that means I got to stay in one place more than, more than I want to. Mm-hmm. And the decoys we carry these days aren't nearly as mobile as those old feather flex things you can fold up and stick in your vest, right. you know? Yeah. It's just, they're cumbersome. It's not fun to carry them around. So unless I'm set up on a field edge, a spot where I've, some of my setups, I'll put blinds on field edges for those days when you know, you just, have to be patient and wait for the turkeys to come to you mm-hmm. in those cases yeah i'm going to put out some decoys and they're again depending on what i'm hunting if i'm if i'm hunting a gobbler then i'm probably going to put a strutter decoy out there not going to pair it up with a hen i'm just going to put a strutter decoy out there and if i can i would i would prefer to have one in a position with his tail fanned out but down mm-hmm. not not in a up position straight up yeah and then I'm just going to call him with, uh, I'm going to use key keys, a lot of key key run, and I'm going to use gobbler clucks and gobbler yelps. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to look for any hen calling. And then if I'm hunting the way I primarily do, and I, I prefer to chase the hens in the fall, then I'm going to use a setup with a lot of hen decoys. If I can put out four or five or six decoys, that's best because they generally are the most heavily flocked in the fall. Mm-hmm. And those birds aren't, you know, they're not going to really want to, congregate with a bunch of gobblers so i'm not going to use a jake or a, a gobbler decoy they're going to want to get together with other hens and i'm going to i'm going to do a lot of hen calling and i'll i'll do a lot of kikiing because uh you know a lot of people relate kikis and the kiki run with jake birds but truth is hens kiki a lot more than the male birds do and they do it all day every day yeah just normal part of their vocalization so i do a lot of kikis a lot of one and two note clucks a lot of assembly yelps where you'll, you know, string out 15, 16 normal yelps, non-excited, just, just a standard hen yelp. A lot of stuff that I'm, I'm trying to get those birds to get in that social mode and want to come to me, want to get together, want to regroup with one of their friends that they think they lost, maybe. So that's, if I'm after hens, I'm hen calling. If I'm after gobblers, I'm gobbler calling in the fall. Yeah. And de- decoys the same way. If it's hens I'm after, I got hen decoys, gobblers, I'm going to have a gobbler decoy. Okay. All right. So the last question that I have for you is, are there two or maybe three fall turkey tips that you want to share with us that you feel like might help our success in the fall woods? Well, you know, the biggest thing is don't let the fact that you don't have a turkey dog keep you from going after turkeys because they're absolutely just as easy and fun to hunt without a dog and 
maybe even a little more exciting than the springtime. Even though you're not getting to hear a lot of gobbling and seeing strutting birds, you can generally get a lot of interaction from the birds, a lot of, lot of vocalization. You'll hear all this, all the sounds of a turkey in the fall. So number one, just get out there and do it. Number two, get you a good wingbone call or a trumpet. They make great, great sounds for fall hunting. And I absolutely wouldn't be in the woods without one, as well as a long box. I always hunt with a long box, never hunt with that one. But in the fall, they're just really, to me, probably the most important call I carry in, in my vest because they'll do really nice kikis, and then you can get hen yelps, gobbler yelps, jake yelps, and clucks out of the same call. So they're they're so versatile that I just I wouldn't be caught in the woods without one. So yeah, get out there and hunt them. Carry a wing bone, carry a long box, and just go out there and give them a good dose of patience. But I tell you, it, I find in my experience, my fall turkey hunts are usually shorter in duration and even sometimes more exciting than spring hunts. You can guarantee I'm going to be out there chasing them spring and fall. Absolutely. I love it. Good deal. Well, Bob, thanks a bunch for taking time to come on the show. Before I cut you loose, though, I have people that listen to this show that contact me every so often about wanting to complete their super slam and killing a turkey in every state. And every so often I'll get someone who contacts me about someone out West who doesn't have Easterns contact me about killing an Eastern to complete a grand slam. And you do some turkey guiding in the fall and the spring, don't you? Yes, sir. Appreciate you mentioning that, Andy. I run a spring, mostly spring uh, turkey camp, but we also do put in some, a few fall hunts, uh, during the second two weeks of October, I run a three-day turkey hunt, one bird limit for $800. We provide lodging, and that's a fully guided hunt. I'm out there with you if you prefer. I'll be out there sitting beside you doing the calling or just doing the accompanying if that's what you prefer. we got a lot of turkeys here in Ohio. In the past two seasons, I've gone 100% with every client on the first morning of their hunt. So, nice. yes, by all means, if any, any of you listeners out there would like to get in on a good quality spring turkey hunt or a fall turkey hunt here in Ohio, just please give me a shout. Like I say, you can reach me on Facebook. Go by my name, Bob Fulcher, or you can find me at shadetreecallers.webs.com or area code 937-270-3299. Fantastic. I told you earlier that before I started the recording that I wish that I'd known that you did that several years ago because I would... I would have hunted with you in a heartbeat over the person that we went with. It, it just, we killed turkeys, but it was just not an enjoyable experience. And that's why we go on these trips is to have a good time. Yes, we want to kill a turkey. Don't get me wrong. It is a turkey hunting trip, but we go to relax and have a good time. And we didn't get that opportunity when we went to Ohio. So I would. I well, would, maybe you get a chance to come here and chase a fall turkey with me sometime. And we'll we'll show you how it, it can actually be pretty fun hunting with us old Buckeyes. <laughs> you don't mind if I wear my Alabama shirt over there, do you? No, I don't. I don't hold anything against anybody <laughs> as long as you don't come here and talk about my Buckeyes football team. Uh, we, we can, if as long as we can agree to disagree on what football team we support, then I have no problem with that. <laughs> hey, I I would be surprised if football ever came up in our conversations. Knowing, I, I would, I would say you're probably right. Knowing how much we'll you be like deer a lot hunting. about yeah. deer and turkeys. Yeah, absolutely, and and chasing squirrels too because I love to do that. That's a lot of fun. So. Well, awesome. hey, you have to you have to work something out with me sometime. Put on your calendar. I'd love to have you come in and show you some Buckeye hospitality. Shoot, yeah, man, I'd love to do that. Let's let's try to make that happen sooner rather than later. Sounds good. Well, Bob, thank you again for your time. I really do appreciate you. And you know, I do want to get you on to do kind of the same type of show that we did for the box calls and talk about scratch boxes. Are you up for that? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Well, then yeah, you get me talking about turkey calls, and you know I'm I'm not short on words for it. I love scratch boxes. It's it's one of my most popular calls, and again, I've been very fortunate to win the Grand National Championship, what they call the Jeremiah Stevens Award for best sounding scratch box. Awesome. So love yeah. to, love to talk turkey calls. Heck Andy, yeah. I appreciate you having me on again. I got a lot of response from the time I was on two springs ago. I still get guys that 
are still listening to that podcast and, you know, comment on it occasionally. So really appreciate the opportunity to be back on here and like share a tree with you sometime. Let's certainly make that happen. And I appreciate you very much. And I'm glad that the listeners to the show are letting you know that they heard about you on here. So that's good. That means that we can keep getting good people like you on the show to share your knowledge. And that's what, that's what it's all about. So thanks a bunch. Well, I'll be honest with you. I've probably had more response about your podcast than any other one that I've done. So you're, oh, you're cool. reaching a lot of people. Good deal. You're doing a good thing. Well, hopefully I haven't run them off too much with all my mumbling. and. Well, you keep having guys like me on, Andy, and you might run some off, but you just have to take a chance. <laughs> I don't know about that. All right. Well, it was good talking to you, buddy. Look forward to it again. Yep, me too. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Take care. All right. Goodbye. All right. I hope that you enjoyed that interview. I certainly enjoyed talking to Bob, and he and I actually had about an hour-long conversation before we even started the interview and we talked all different types of hunting turkey hunting deer hunting squirrel hunting bird hunting so pretty much everything and i enjoyed that conversation bob is a good guy and is just as crazy about hunting as i am and i know most of you are as well so that is all that i have for you guys this week but my favor of the week before i let you go is to have you guys share this week's episode via text message using the share feature in your podcast player application to share the show with a couple of hunting buddies. If you'll share that with them via text message, I'll be very appreciative. And with that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week. And I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.